Shall we remain standing for prayer? Oh Lord, we ask now from the bottom of our hearts that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would bring solace and comfort to this fine family in their moment of need, and that the words of our mouths and that the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Would you remain standing as we take a hymnal and turn to page 164, Grace Greater Than All Our Sin. I'll hear a word from Walter's brother and uncle. You know, I probably knew Walter at 
as well. Is anyone? You know, your pastor said yesterday that there's a time to let your emotions be known. This is a very familiar place for me. You might say I grew up here with Pastor Bob, and I don't know how many of you remember him. Tom Moorhead, a wonderful friend. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. At Lazarus' tomb, the first thing that Jesus did was to weep. And the Jews marveled and said, how see how he loves him and I believe Jesus literally wept Jesus was a man he had feelings like you and I and I believe he wept he said I am the resurrection and the life He that believeth in me, though he be dead, yet shall he live. And he that believeth in me shall never die. I believe that Walter lived this. There's a difference between being a witness and being a living witness. When I was about nine, that would have made him about 13. I was in a whole lot of trouble. I did that quite often when I was younger. And I got home I took the long way home. And I found out that my brother had taken a whipping for me. 
But you know, there's a time to, to weep. But I believe that we should be double-minded when it comes to Walter's death. Because I think he would also want us to be joyful. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I believe that Walter believed that. He gave his life for what he believed. Walter's asleep now, but there's a time when he'll hear, hear the trumpet and he's going to go before I am. unless the Lord decides to take me too. I believe the closer we get to that time, I believe we should be more and more double-minded about it. And I think this is right, and I think this is what Walter would, would have wanted. When he hears that, he's going to come up out of that grave. And mortality is going to take on immortality. We're not going to remember all these things that we're going through now. And I believe it's important that we keep these things in mind. We can remember the, the good times that we had. There's not enough time to think of both the good and the bad, it's better to think about the good times that we had. And I think if Walter would, was here, I think he would say to you, Follow me as I follow Christ.
I'm uh, Walter's uncle. I guess we never called each other that too much. Probably closer to a brother. But you know, <clears throat> Walter lived his whole life for what took place a few days ago. Walter never died. He just graduated to glory. I've been a minister for some number of years after I retired from the Navy. And I've seen a lot of homecomings. I've been in the room with those that passed over to eternity. One lady was telling me what she wanted me to do in her funeral because she was going on. Finally, she looked at me and she said, there's Jesus. I didn't see him, but it was real to her. I want you to know, Jay and Brian, Stephen, that you have a treasure because you had a dad. Showed you what a, a man should be. And that's a treasure. My dad died when I was three and a half years old. I lived my life without knowing what it meant to have a father. You boys have a treasure. The Word of God speaks in John. It just says, Jesus speaking, he said, in my father's house are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you, and then I return for you. As I stand here before you this morning, I don't believe that God allows one of his saints to cross over unless Jesus is there with him. I'm so convinced in life beyond this is so great. In this life, as Christians, our body, we are in prison. But then when the doors open up, we become what God wants us to be. And I'm having a hard time this morning. I know Walter by another name. And I promised him uh, myself I wouldn't use that other name this morning. But if I do, you're going to have to forgive me, family. But I know Walter would want to say to Annette, it's all that we ever talked about. It's all that we ever believed. And you know, up here they don't care whether you're a Baptist or Methodist or if you get too happy in the Lord or if you don't get happy enough. It's just glorious up here. And you know that we that are left behind are going to have to we feel the pain. But there was a great company that met Walter, his father, my dad and mother, brothers and sisters that I've never seen. But I know he'd want me to say to you this morning that Annette, he's preparing the place for us when we come.
Death is not final to the believer. We become what God wants us to be. And Walter lived his whole life for that event. When me and Walter were kids in Florida during World War II, I was about seven years older than Walter, so I was the wiser. And we used to play war as kids. And I used to make him the enemy. And, of course, we'd shoot him right away. Walter went to his mother one time and told her, said, I'm tired of playing with them because they always make me the enemy. It was another word we use, but we don't use that word today. But I'm saying to Walter, if you're listening this morning, Walter, you're playing with the real guys, and you left me with the enemies. I was always proud of Walter. And I thank him, thank his family for the faithfulness to the gospel that he left me to remember. It was not always easy, but it's a lot easier this morning. Thank you, boys, and thank you, Annette, for letting me share with your father your husband. I love to encourage you. Hear now the reading of God's word. Holy Scripture contains the sublime promise of the presence of God throughout all of our days. Listen now as the Word of God gives testimony to that presence. A reading from the Psalms. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me, uttering slanders against me, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though a host encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies round about me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. A reading from the prophecy of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, 
and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the glory of the Lord, the King of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim to me, having in his hand a burning coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is forgiven. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. A reading from the Gospel of John. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And a final reading from Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. And you he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among these we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of body and mind, and so we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not because of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God.
Since Walter was the age of 12, he knew that he was supposed to dedicate his life to the ministry of the Word of God and the love of God. We were requested to read from the magnificent passage recorded in the prophecy of Isaiah, the call of Isaiah the prophet to proclaim the Word of God. For Walter's life and the old prophet's life intersected at that point. His earliest recollection was going to church, hanging on to his mama, Phyllis, with one hand and clutching two pennies in the other to put in the collection plate, I am told. I heard one of our second B persons say that Walter was exemplary in every way. He loved studying the Bible, internalizing the Word of God. His family reports to me that they had a great time studying the Bible together. I'm told that the Holy Scriptures were so important in Walter's upbringing, he was taught the Scriptures and Shakespeare, and he once said that it's not his fault if he gets them a little confused every now and then. This man had a great love for the word, for the interpretation of meaning in this life, which, of course, you and I know as Christians to come through the wonderful words of life and grace that are contained in this holy document. This is a life that has been lived, as has been said by my two brothers who have shared a life lived to the glory of God and in accordance with the intention of God. And so indeed we do come to this sanctuary this morning with a sense of celebration for a life fully lived, for a life that understood that Christ has come to give life and to give it more abundantly. We remember Walter, many of you do, coming along in this church developing and unfolding through this portion of his life pilgrimage. A pastor, a teacher, teaching was the love of his life. An author having written a book, a liver according to the law of grace and love. A father, a son, a husband, a brother. This fine family is gathered here to grieve and to mourn the loss of their loved one. We are all gathered in this place today to do what is the most difficult task that any of us ever have to do, and that is to let go of someone very special and very precious. We are reminded, particularly during this season of Lent, that out of the dust we were made and to the dust we will return. I've been reflecting over the past several days as we all have been thinking about this life taken from us at such a premature time, such an early age of 51. I've been thinking, though, about how time, chronological time, makes absolutely no difference to God. It makes lots of difference to you and to me 
because of our humanity and because of our human perspective. But it makes no difference to God. For all of time is incorporated in the person and the power and the majesty of God. All of time is. We have time because of our human perspective. But God has no perspective of time. This is a life prematurely taken, it seems. And so that is why we gather in this place and we shed our tears and we express our emotion. And I want you to hear me. That is proper and right and appropriate and true because that is what God would have us to do at this moment. Even as has been said earlier, Jesus wept at the funeral of his friend, at the death of his friend Lazarus. So we do not hold back our tears either. We follow in obedience the example of our Lord. But we do not grieve as persons with no hope because we understand now that this life is now in the very presence of God for the rest of forever. That God has no perspective of time. And life everlasting and life eternal belongs to Walter because of the faith and confidence and trust that he had placed in his God who has met us in Jesus Christ. I was reflecting earlier on a statement made by a great minister in our nation's history who said, I will never be more alive than the last, than the time when I draw my last breath. And I believe that we can all say with full confidence and strength and hope that Walter has never been more alive than he is right now. This is the perspective of faith. The perspective that we have on this earth as humans is quite different, of course. And it is proper that we should feel the profound loss of this loved one. But the perspective of faith and hope is that Walter is now in the presence of God Almighty for the rest of the age, for the rest of forever. We heard from Paul's epistle to the Ephesians a great passage about the meaning of grace. I want to remind us all this morning that grace is always the first, middle, and last word of God. Death doesn't have the final say Death has such a ring of finality to it, such <clears throat> an awful sense of despair attached to it. But God in Jesus Christ knows his way out of the grave. And that is what we celebrate this season of the year, this resurrection season, when we remember that the one who has broken the bonds and chains of death 
And because of that reality and because of that power, grace always has the last word for all of us. It seems sometimes that death in the grave is the epilogue to the drama. But that is not so. The final act, the epilogue to the drama, is the resurrection from the grave that is ours in Jesus Christ. And so as we gather here today, Phyllis, Annette, boys, let us understand that in the midst of our tears and grief and sorrow and profound sadness, we look to the one who is able to meet us in all of that pain and anguish. We look to the one who has broken all of the chains and bonds, strictures of death. We look to the one who is able to escort us from this life into the life everlasting. Shall we pray? Even as we have done so many times before, our God, we pray once again now that peace which passes all understanding from the human perspective would be channeled to this family during their time of sadness and loss and grief. And we pray, too, as we have so many dozens of times this past week, that somehow, even in our inadequacy, that you would make us channels and vehicles of peace and comfort for this family. How tragic it is for a loved one to be taken from their midst so prematurely at such a young age, one so full of love and life and energy. But in the midst of this tragic loss, we turn to you, and we turn to you because we know that there is no such thing as a godless situation. We know that even in the midst of these circumstances, your Holy Spirit now is working to minister grace and peace. We know that even this sad development does not have the last say, but the final word belongs to you, who is the resurrection and the life. Hear our prayer for these dear people and hear our prayer of gratitude for a life richly lived in accordance with your grace and affection as we offer it now in the strong name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Turn, if you will now, take your hymnals and turn to a mighty fortress as our God, number 36.